Hello and welcome to the Football Index podcast. I'm here today with Tall Bob FI and I can vouch that he's very tall because I've met him at the trader meet uh, and we had a great chat at both the Manchester and Birmingham trader meets and I said why don't you come on and uh, luckily he was available this weekend so Bob why don't you uh, introduce yourself and then talk us through your Football Index journey. Hi yeah uh, I am uh, six foot six if anyone's wanting to know. Um, I joined Football Index back in September, I'd kind of seen a few adverts knocking around for it, didn't really understand what it was. Um, had started getting a slight side interest in the stock market and I watched a few films. Stuff like that. I was like, oh, I'd love to know more about the stock market. And then I realised it was just such a vast, complex thing to get into. So I was like, well, I know a bit about football. Why don't I try this as a kind of gateway sort of thing? Um, put a little bit of money in. I think it's when FI were doing the £500 free uh, risk-free trading, put a little bit in, kind of came in when Kane had a massive spike. And uh, I think it was because of the England International. So I joined kind of not knowing what PB was and then just was gathering a load of MB buzz through Kane. I was like, oh, actually, this is quite good fun. And kind of just kept adding a little bit more money in from there and then just saw what they were outlining for the World Cup. And I thought, okay, I'll put a bit more in. And I'm doing okay. I don't think I'm the best trader in the world by a long shot. I've made some bad decisions along the way, but I've kind of feel like I've kind of what eight nine months in now. Kind of feel I've got a decent handle on how kind of everything works and aware of the the pitfalls and the and the traps that can be there for you, um, but also of how to profit from it as well. Um, but yeah, it's been a really kind of enjoyable last couple of months. Have been quite good. The, the, the last week has been. Um, probably my best week on the index, really. Um, uh, and yeah, and hopefully it kind of continues through the World Cup and beyond. Yeah, I think those first six months are quite important, aren't they? Like that's where you you're still getting to grips with it. I know for me that was that was the case. I wasn't really like properly in tune with the index and, until those six seven months had happened. I think I think you kind of need to see. What, I think I think you kind of have to see a transfer window as well. I think that's what shocked me kind of in January <laughs> I got caught a little bit off guard by just how kind of insane some of the rises and the falls could be I think Coutinho I got stung on a little bit not not massively um, then missed out on Sanchez just because I thought the same was going to happen with Coutinho <laughs> was what had happened with Coutinho <laughs> and then he just rocketed up and then obviously he's dropped back way back from then but now kind of going into this transfer window I'm kind of aware of that that that's what's likely to happen with a lot of players Um so I'm kind of I'm just kind of hedging my portfolio a bit more clever than I did before, but I definitely think six months is a good time. Just I would advise to anyone: don't go all in at the start. Watch the market. Watch a transfer window. Yes, you'll kind of be gutted you've missed out on some amazing opportunities, but at the same time, you're also probably protecting yourself from the risk as well. Yeah, it will stand you in good stead in the long term, won't it? And I and you made a good point about like how you leaked money in. And I think that's important as well. I've talked about dripping money into the index gradually. So you're not as exposed to those massive falls if they do happen. So if you do do a massive bulk deposit at the beginning, so you put in £2,000, that's your first ever deposit. And then you get on a few players, like you mentioned Coutinho there, you get stung. That's not the best way to start. And it, it, it can be bad from from that standpoint so that's why i always advise people start with like a 
you know 50 quid 20 quid whatever you want to start with and then just keep leaking it in yeah until you build that confidence and then you can trade better i think you kind of for me it was it was learning the difference between what you think a good player is in real life and what a good player is on the index um <laughs> and i think that's quite key i remember one of my first buys was although he won pb a couple of weeks ago it was um Kishelniak at arsenal um, I kind of he'd had the first good couple of games of season. Did he score? He got a couple of assists. He scored a few. Him and Monreal, as an Arsenal fan, they've scored quite a few this season. And I think Koscielny's had like a half decent record in general uh, yeah. as a defender. Well, I, he was one of my kind of I, I don't think about like fifty of them or something like that. Going, oh, this guy's going to be great. He seems to be good value. And just sat on him for about three months. <laughs> he just didn't do anything <laughs> at all. I was like, yeah, this is where I need to learn to kind of put the money in where I can make money elsewhere. And I think you can't. You can't come into football index knowing that because you need to understand the PB scoring, even how the media buzz works, um, before you can really, I think, put any decent amount of money in, um, which I think genuinely takes about six months to do so. I think that does happen as well, where you do hold someone for two or three months and then you're like, oh, I do think they're going to come good. And then you, for some reason, convince yourself to sell them. And then like maybe the next week or two weeks, they get linked to United or they win PB. It just always happens. I've become it? the absolute master at that. I, um, I think I was talking <laughs> to SG at the trader meet and I was talking about Shania and then the next day, didn't he win? I think he won PB the next day um, and shot up by about 20p, I think, at least. Um there's a couple of us where I've done that with as well. I think indeed he just before he got linked with Liverpool, I thought, oh, he, he might get some, and then he'd not done much for a while. And then I think also he came close to winning people, he might have picked up PB as well. But that's that's the fun of it at the same time. You kind of always look back on those missed opportunities, but you never look at the ones where you go, oh, actually, Neymar's returned me X amount over the last six months. It just, um, those that's so counts. true, isn't it? That oh, yeah. is so true, isn't it? Because you get hung up on the on the bad ones, like and and this is like from a psychological standpoint, it's true. Like from what I've read and what I've been told, when you do have a loser, that hurts you a lot more. But when you do have a big winner, the uh, the happiness or kind of uh, a joy you get from that win isn't actually equal to the yeah. to the despair you have uh, from losing. So what what you guys maybe need to think about is when you do have a, a big win, do do feel good about it, <laughs> and, yeah, and maybe do think about those those losses that you've had and, and realize that oh actually this one's completely mitigated the loss that I had with uh, a Coutinho or a Sanchez and uh, I know Kane, Ronaldo, um, Neymar, and Messi have all fallen. Uh, respectively recently so maybe when you do have a big winner like um and we saw anderson tyliska yesterday fly from one pound 15 to 192 this morning say so, amazing like 74p rise i think i saw this morning yeah. i was like I, I hadn't even seen any news about him last night I was, and i saw that this morning i was like wow that's that's one you wish you'd gotten but it's a case of sometimes you have to let those kind of i think he's i don't know what his price is going to do now but um, I've just looked at it and gone, uh, I'll leave that one for those that yeah. want to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was speaking to a couple of people. One of them was saying, I don't really want to be on my laptop 24-7 trying to find these rumours. But I think the most important thing is trying to predict them. And then if you are on Twitter and you're lucky enough to see um, that, that that sort of you know level of news or you do have certain nef- notifications on, then just count yourself lucky and ride the wave, uh, make yourself as much money as possible. Someone else, and this someone else was uh, SOTD, who was on a few episodes ago, was saying how, how last night's rise from about 115 to 175 was interesting. But he was saying, well, if he started at 150, he would have gone straight to £2. So is there this like weird 
psychological barrier where a player flies up a certain amount, say from 115, as you said, to 175 last night. So that's nearly a 70p rise. Should he have maybe gone up a bit more, but people were hesitant to buy because they thought the people who had gotten a lot lower were going to sell to them. But then again, we saw this morning that he'd gone from 175, was it, to 192 or whatever. So it's strange. And I kind of thought about what SOTD said there for quite a while. And I said, it is weird that if he did start from 150, he'd be two pounds. But he started from 115 and he's ended up at 192, perhaps slower than he should have. I think without a doubt it is that. And it's always about two pence lower than what I want to sell at um, from my <laughs> personal experience. Um, Alexander Arnold, I think, was the same this week um, after the England squad announcement. In my head, I was there going, he he probably, he's he's the story of the, I think he missed out on media buzz because of Griezmann in the end. But for me, he was the story. Also, Wiltshire not, not going, and we'll probably talk, chat about this more a bit later. But um, I've been seeing he'd been... He'd, I thought he'd probably top out about 250 and he came about 249 and then dropped straight back down. Um, and I think people do, I think those round figures, I think are often the point where people look to get out and some will probably be quite clever and just try and get out slightly before that. And I think that's probably happened with Taliska this morning. And I agree, he probably would have gone above two pound. I think the only person that ever seems to book the trend with that is Neymar, who just keeps <laughs> going above every benchmark people try and set for him. Yeah, I, I do certainly think that people see him as a um, kind of a, a safe hold, which is strange for me because he's obviously got the most to lose on, on the downward side in terms of money. But I suppose if everyone has the same thinking and everyone thinks that he will return money and he, that Brazil will do well in the World Cup, that he will get rumoured and linked to uh, Real Madrid, then if everyone's got this crowd mentality of thinking the same thing, then he's only going to go away, uh, one way in price, right? Yeah. he's the, Well, at the moment, he's the Apple stock, isn't he? He's a case of, he's he's the most profitable in terms of, you would argue in terms of media buzz, buzz going forward because of Brazil are, are, are Neymar's Brazil, which is just going to deliver him a ridiculous amount of coverage over the World Cup. Every game he plays, it's kind of like Messi with Argentina. Every game he plays, the headline will include him in it. Um, the transfer saga as well. I think I, I thought the same last summer that there's no way he's going to stay there more than two seasons, and now it even looks like he'd probably only do a season. Um, and he therefore does become a bit, a bit of a safe bet for people. And it, even when his injury came, he didn't drop anywhere near as much as I thought he would do. Um, and It'd be interesting to see, even if he did transfer to Madrid or, or, or Man United or Man City or somewhere ridiculous like that, he'd. Um, I still don't think we'd see the drops that we've seen on other players when they transfer because I just think he is the name at the moment. And this, might, yes, I, I do hold Neymar, but not a mass amount because part of me goes, I don't know where the top of the market is at the moment. Um, it's a case of everyone thought £10. And now everyone's probably thinking around 15 maybe more. Um but we talk about the three-year holes sort of thing. He he is gonna he's gonna return a lot in that time um, because he's got he's got the age on his side, which I think Messi and Ronaldo don't, which I think is why people are using him as the safe stock to go into at the moment. But he will drop eventually. There is no doubt about it because players move on, retire, get injured, whatever. It's a case of he's never always going to be that that higher price. 
Yeah, and that's probably the the wonderful thing about Football Index. There's no one that you have to hold and there's always going to be um, peaks and troughs that y- you can kind of uh, trade in and out of and, and players that you can hold for six months, a year, and then maybe think, oh, you know what, time is right. And obviously there's there's some people that like to hold for, for three years and, uh, and, and reap the rewards of, of the dividends the whole way through and then perhaps sell when, when they feel... Uh, the time is right. But I think one of the reasons people might be buying Neymar is because of the, the rumoured share split. And I wanted to get your opinions on, on that. Um, yeah, I I was obviously at the training you were there as well. And I know they, they Adam Cole said basically they've had a discussion about it as a potential. And I think, I think they do have a problem that Neymar is so far out at the top of the market at the moment. Um, I think any new person joining the index who sees that Neymar is... Thirteen pounds sixty, I think, yesterday. But um, but like just to, just to interrupt you there, don't don't people just put like ten twenty quids on Akers anyway? Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. But I think if I think if you if you're going to buy one one Neymar for the next one Neymar a week, say you buy four in a month, you realistically how much in a month is he going to return on that? Even if you say he wins ten media buzz, it's that fifty, sixty. That that's not why people put Akers on because people want to win ten, twenty times their, their investment. Um, it's risky, and you could go all year and not win one, but you hit lucky one weekend and, and they come in. I, I'm, I've never been one personally for accumulators because I just some guys seem to have a lot of skill with them, or they tell people they've got a little skill with them. Um, <laughs> I just never seem to have that look with them, so I kind of abandon my. Uh, accumulator but it's I, I can understand why it would be beneficial because if you say Neymar is uh, £6.50 then people are more, I think more likely to invest more as a result but my gut reaction was when they talked about oh if we if we split the shares and kept the dividends the same they asked for a vote and everyone obviously put their hands up because they were basically going who wants free money and of course everyone's <laughs> everyone's going to put their hands up and um, that seemed to gather a lot of from what I saw a lot of genuine conversation on Twitter going oh yeah it'd be great if they do that I don't think football index are going to do that I, I genuinely <laughs> uh, uh, cannot me, believe they will do that l- let me let me just uh, nip that one in the bud football index will not do that <laughs> uh, they, they they will not share split and keep the dividends the same there is 0% chance that happens they would genuinely be giving away free money I mean I, I had my podcast with uh, Adam Cole recorded Friday and <laughs> You know, I, I don't want to say too much, but that was kind of, in essence, what what we talked about. How uh, Mike, head of marketing, kind of said that as a joke at the, at the Birmingham Trader Meet. I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, I want to kind of like nip that one in the bud really quickly before any more conversations get out of hand. But I do think it's interesting that you say like people are adverse to buy Neymar at thirteen pounds when the maximum a day he can win is twenty three p, right? With PB plus MB which is totally possible at the World Cup and at the beginning of next season. But if he is half the price, whatever, he would be 650 plus or there thereabouts, then he's going to, the max he can win is like 12p, right? 12, 13p or 11, 12p. So is that just not a psychological barrier? And I think SG was saying to, to me at the trader meet that it's the same. You're buying 
your buy the value is the same because if you buy one player for that price, they're returning returning proportionally the same amount of dividends before and after the share split. That's why a lot of people talk about uh, oh Neymar is fifty plus pounds in old money, and, and I always find that quite strange because it's you know we're playing with the here and now, the current dividend structure. But again, that the same thing will happen. That's the psychological the psychological effect it has on people, and I just think it's. Is it is it is it just a, a means to an end? Is it just a short term stop for football index if they do another share split? Oh, without a doubt, because then it's a case of well, what ha- there will be a future Neymar, there will be a future Mosar, there will be a future that player that that every time a player hits a certain price, oh, we've got to have another share split. In which case, then the dividends become almost worthless. I would think um, because what yeah, what happens if say they did one this summer? Neymar gets reset to six fifty. What happens when next somebody's back to fifteen pounds? And they've got the same debate again going on. It's a case of well, you can't. You wouldn't want them to split the dividends again. Yeah, or, or does he even reach fifteen pounds because the dividends are smaller? So maybe he gets to nine, ten pounds, and then suddenly people are like, "Well, actually, do I want to buy Neymar for ten pounds when the maximum amount of dividends I can receive is twelve pounds?" Especially. I'd probably argue that he's more of a media magnet rather than a PB one. The media dividends, if they're halved, then you're talking two, three P per media win. Are people going to be buying uh, Neymar nine, ten quid for that? And then suddenly Football Index need to raise dividends. There's another big pump, and then when the players reach another peak, then you talk about share split again. And I think that's just kind of a cyclic, um, a cyclic thing that would start happening. And I'm not sure if it's the right thing to do for a longevity standpoint and i know a lot of people want it to happen because it would be a great opportunity to profit there's no arguing that but but what where does it leave us in 12 months time when this thing has to repeat right yeah and i think people are just uh, uh, football industry still kind of finding its way of how it's profiting as a company how everyone else can profit from it and i think if they keep changing the in a way essentially the goalposts it, it it makes it a less reliable product. I think the the reason people bet is because they put a bet on, they know the odds, they can win a certain amount and they'll lose their stake. Football links is slightly different for that. And I think if they keep changing the the rewards, then it's got a difficulty of kind of bringing new customers in and them staying with the product. Um, we want people to come in to enjoy the product, to to make money and and spread the word about it so that, more people can potentially make money. Yes, some people will lose at certain times, but also it's the sort of product where you can lose money and and make money back relatively, well, I wouldn't say relatively easily, but, but easier than you can do with um, a betting format. Mm, I, I definitely think that's true. And that's something that I've only ever s- spoken or thought about when considering a change in the PB scoring matrix. And I haven't actually thought about it with the share split, but I, I do know that Adam and Mike and people at the trade of me from Football Index have talked to me about how, you know, there's only so many times we can change the rules before someone actually, and this is what I think, like if I was a new customer, I come in and suddenly every single rule changes. There's going to be someone who gets really unhappy at some point and goes, you know what, like, is this actually allowed? Like, can a company from a regulation standpoint do this like a gambling company um and and then and then you're you're kind of in a sticky situation if someone complains or if there's some sort of investigation where you're as you said changing the goalposts uh, consistently and i'm no like law expert but i would i would think there's something in that where if you sign up with t's and c's and then you continuously change them is that 
again, as you said, going to disrupt that relationship between consumer and company. Uh, I completely agree, and I think I think that is the thing they're probably most cautious of than anything else. That they are still a relatively new company, as we, we kind of keep saying, um, and I think they've got to be really careful. That I, I agree. The one area I think where they could could change it is the is the PB scoring, because I kind of think I hold the same belief as you is that that some of the points just don't quite aren't weighted quite right, and that isn't because I'm looking to profit from those side side players, but I think. I think if they keep, I genuinely think if they keep changing it, I even think I would become a bit like, well, I don't, I don't know where to invest my money then because what I invest in now is not quite correct for a year's time, and and I know that sounds contrary to what I'm saying about the uh, PB matrix, but um, I just think they they also need a little bit of a period where of stability for for people to just kind of re- it's the thing i was talking about with joining the index for six months i think that people need to see this product through i think after the world cup is going to be quite interesting to watch because everything seems to be geared toward the world cup for the past year or so and it'd be really interesting to see how the market reacts post world cup because um we've we've not seen that yet um and it could be but who knows who knows what could happen after the world cup <laughs> well that that's that's a good segue into to actually me asking you about the World Cup. And if if you're a new customer now, are you coming into this and saying, "Oh, I'm going to buy this player in the for the World Cup," where some of these players may have already had the World Cup priced into them? Is is there going to be a bit of a sell off after the World Cup for some of these players? And are some of these new users maybe going to get unfortunately burnt by them? Yeah, and this might link into something else that we're going to chat about as well. Um, personally, I think that's part of the reason for the big spreads that we're seeing at the moment. Um, I think a new customer, if I was to sign up today, I would probably come in and I would buy the big names. Neymar, Messi, Ronaldo. I'll probably try hunting for that player that's going to break out. Um, But they're coming into a market that, that is without a doubt already inflated by the World Cup prices. And the last thing they want to happen is get caught by this by a drop-off post-World Cup or even during the World Cup, as we saw with the, with the um, Champions League, with players dropping the minute they were looking to get knocked out of the competition. And I think Football Index needs to keep, retain those those new customers. And I think, uh, this is me being purely speculative, I think that's part of the reason why the spreads are kicking in, especially on Salah at the moment, because new people will be buying him and... The last, the, first, the last thing they want to see happen, the first thing that happens to them is that their player drops three, four pounds immediately. Um, kind of, I, I didn't see the drops last year with, I know about Griezmann and um, uh, Murata. Um, but what were the spreads like then? Well, see, that's, that's the interesting debate, isn't it? With Griezmann, they were only kind of put in maybe about... I'd say one or two minutes after he he tweeted and a lot of people sold not even looking at the spreads because they just wanted to get out and and you look on it post sale and you say oh actually I've been done for three four five percent rather than the usual two because back then it was usually two percent I think now it's about three percent um so people were looking back at the set at the sales and saying, "Wow, I've I've actually been been fleeced here." But um, I mean, luckily again, I was out as close as I could have been to the top. I think it was uh, 
I instant sold at like high sixes and he, he peaked at um, 7.30. So I was quite lucky. But I know people that sold a lot lower who instant sold with that massive spread. But it, it is interesting, isn't it? Because like Mo Salah, he just won PFA Player of the Year in Ballon d'Or contention. He's going to be Egypt's main man at the World Cup. What a fairy tale that would be if they could even make it out of the group. Is it is it a bit strange that he he's um he's actually you know have that has this massive spread? And we saw Danny Alves out for six months at the age of thirty five, uh, not going to the World Cup again. He he went we went from one sixty to to ninety p in a flash, and I didn't see a spread there. So I find it really strange because the amount of money that came out of Alves that day wasn't insignificant it was still a relatively large amount of money but football index seemed to be okay with buying back a 36 year old uh from traders who you know might not play for psg again might not play for brazil again god knows how many um uh seasons of football he has left in him i mean brazilians are quite inclined to sometimes go to china especially at the end of their career so i found that really strange and i think that kind of that kind of countered every argument that I've I've heard so far where it's like, well, they don't want to buy that. What like, you know, they don't want to buy the player back because they need they need to they need to analyze the risk themselves. Well, surely buying a back a player like Danny Alves is the riskiest profile of player that you could buy back, right? Yeah, and it it's one of the things that makes for me, makes I agree, makes no real sense. I, yeah, I can't even think through why you would do that. To be honest, um, well, that, well, I, I was—I was, I mean, I was saying to someone like you know, Mo Salah will bounce back, and well, not not might not bounce back price wise. I don't know, but he's still going to perform. It's not like he's not going to score any goals next season. So a lot of people are saying, well, they need to they need to calculate this with the risk that the player might go down to zero. Well, one, that's absolutely nonsensical and not true. Uh, <laughs> two. We've clearly seen that with Danny Alves, they did not uh, look at that risk. So I think that's kind of, you know, so- sorry for those who, who argued those very astute points at the time, but those have been clearly rebutted by just by the facts that we've seen on the index. And sorry if I ruffle any feathers by, by saying this, but I, I think that's quite wrong. I think with Mo Salah, a player like Mo Salah, if a lot of money comes out to, out of him, say he goes from 970 to eight pounds, that's a massive drop and that's a huge amount of money. But it's, not like that money is going to get withdrawn, right? Well, I wouldn't think so. I think like even if 10, 20% gets withdrawn, a lot of that money is going to get pumped back in. And also by that money leaving Mo Salah, that's less buzz you need to pay for next time he wins the buzz. And if he does win the buzz next time, then Football Index are going to get purchases back off them for Mo Salah. And obviously they're always buying off us at a cheaper price that we buy off them. So they are consistently making a margin off us when we buy off Football Index, if that all makes sense. It's, I don't know if you've had a chance to think about yeah. the Danny Alves situation. <laughs> not, not um, I wasn't on Alves. I saw that I missed the news actually as well that he'd been injured. And um, the only thing I can think of is that I wonder if Football Index have, have worked out a lot of players say over 34, 35 that they know they're going to, that people are going to sell off. They're going to retire. At any moment, Alves could say, I'm done. He could he could have said he said fit and he'd played the World Cup. He could have turned around that last game and gone, that's me retiring from all football. Thank you very much. Here's my World Cup on off I go. Obviously, he's not going to do that now. I would assume that they they must have some, uh, Ibrahimovic is the same. People, some people still own Ibrahimovic and it's a case of, at one point, he is going to retire and, and, 
there is money in that player and that will be sold very quickly. And I wonder if that's kind of, in a way, their collateral kind of, they're happy taking that hit. I mean, in a way, Alves was quite high price for for his age. Um, uh, so I wonder if that's why they're less, they're less, I don't want to say less bothered, but they're, the, why the spread didn't kick in, whereas Salah at the moment is he's the he is one of the the names in football. He's complete clickbait, as we saw by some of his. He was picking up buzz when even I think the Saturday he still Liverpool didn't even play and he was still picking up the buzz <laughs> uh, just because because the Daily Mail and Daily Express are just putting articles with his name in it um, because it gets people clicking on it. And I think it kind of comes back to my point. Going, I, I wonder if that's football next trying to protect maybe new entrants to the market because they want to keep them in the market um, so that people don't just come in and, and get stung straight away. I think a lot of a lot of people who've been on the next for a while are kind of saying, yeah, Salah's going to drop probably post-Champions League. Um, and I agree with you, he's, he's, he's still a name. So I think the drop will happen, whether it's as big, but I think that spread will kick in. Um but from a, I agree with you. From a football inch point of view, does it really need to? Because people are going to rebuy Salah at another stage, whether it's as a lead up to the next season. If he has another season like like he's had this year, you could argue he could be as as with transfer speculation and performance buzz, his price could go past what it is now currently anyway. For sure, but also he's. He's just the most lovable bloke in the world at the yeah. moment, isn't he? Like, well, I think I think <laughs> that's part. Of, I think that's part of his charm is that he seems a very humble, uh, humble. And I'll be honest, I am a Liverpool fan, but I was a little bit annoyed. He died. He dived in. The, I think it was against Brighton where he. Uh, it was a dive. It's like you don't need to do that, mate. Why are you doing that? Um, but he does seem very humble. He's only twenty five, and it's a case of the next few years are going to be really big for him, whether it's with Liverpool or elsewhere. And I think part of me. So much I love him to say, I, I can see him next summer if he if he has another season like he's had. It's it's another Coutinho, kind of even Ronaldo from ten years ago, that sort of style of transfer that that we could be looking at. And and it'll be if he does. It's all a big if because we've seen players come in and have one good season and uh, and not reach those heights again. But there's something about him where I go, he's very professional. He, a lot of his behaviours remind me of Ronaldo and Messi. Um, that they just—he seems so driven to to succeed, and I think it's a it's it's quite a rare thing to get someone at that kind of high level of professionalism. I think we've only seen it a few times, which is the names I've already mentioned. Mm. And, and you see him like stopping and signing autographs wherever he goes, taking pictures with everyone. Like he's just the most lovable bloke around, isn't he? And he he's just. And 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 to your point about the the one season wonders that we've seen, maybe uh, I'm trying to think of like Michu when he was at Swansea. Oh, great um, player for fantasy football. <laughs> oh, he was he was brilliant that season. Was it was it 20 yeah. Premier League goals, and then three seasons later he's retired. So um, you know, but the thing is, everyone's got that feeling, and this one's a bit different. He's broken every record. He's won the PFA Player of the Year. Like it, even if he scores 20. 20 Premier League goals next season people are still going to point to that and say that's another successful season oh without um, a doubt it'll depend but, but on also, Liverpool buy as well and, and kind of if his role changes but I was just going to say Liverpool are going to be stronger next season I mean um, you've got Emery Chan probably going but I mean Naby Keita is 
a very, very good central midfielder. I'm of the opinion that he comes in and he's automatically a top five central midfielder in the Premier League. And then uh, you look at Chamberlain will come back from injury. Lalana will have a full season. Um, you also looking at probably Liverpool signing a, a holding midfielder to pr- replace Chan. And there's obviously talk of a, a centre-back and a goalkeeper and a forward to, to support those three guys. Maybe Solanke is not quite ready. And, you know, Liverpool still got quite a lot of money. Coutinho went for 130, 150 million euros. So, and probably not all of that is paid. Some of that will probably come in the summer. And they bought Van Dijk for 75. So you're still looking at an excess of, you know, a good, 40 50 million Naby Keita was already paid for uh last summer um so so Liverpool have got some money to spend and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be surprising if they're they're up there next season and Pep Guardiola has said you know they're going to be our biggest competitors next season and I think I think a lot will also depend on what happens next weekend as well because all of a sudden if, if Liverpool do win which I hope they do obviously um you think about what's going to come with that. They are the reigning champions for all of next season's Champions League coverage, World Club Cup and all those sort of things that just put them on a, a bigger pedal. And they will automatically, it will be a, effectively a battle between... Europa Super Cup as well. Yeah, Super Cup as well. And then you've got um, you've got that battle between Man City and Liverpool. I think if, given how recent seasons have gone with teams defending, we, we kind of, I think everyone's already thinking Man City will walk it again next season. I'm not so sure. I think it will be a bit more whoever comes in at Arsenal and how they get on, who Man U, whether who Mourinho buys and whether he changes his style of play. And, and I mean, to be fair, they've done really well still finishing second. I think some of the games I've seen this season and the FA Cup yesterday, I just think they're, they're missing something which they may go and find this summer, whether it's another huge marquee signing. Um, but it could be incredibly competitive which is I think the best thing for the Premier League really um, but but again Salary is going to be that he is he's Liverpool's current Gerrard really he is their their name player um, and I think that that is part of the reason for, for a lot of Salah's value at the moment and I think he will still be next season barring injury and, and or he moves to another club Hmm. I, I, do, I do think as well I think next season is going to be one of the most exciting Premier League seasons ever but also this season what we've seen is the gap between one and two Man City and United is massive but the gap between two and six United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal those five clubs there's not really much in it Arsenal have, haven't lost to Chelsea this season. We saw Chelsea, who finished fifth, beat United in the FA Cup, who was second. Um, Spurs and United had a very good semi-final. Um, and obviously, I think, apart from City, that has been... Those five clubs have been really close. I think if those clubs have come had come in any order, no one would be surprised. I mean, it was anyone's top four it was probably like it should have been the most exciting race uh, I know you know Chelsea faltered at the end Arsenal just couldn't sort out their away record but those clubs in terms of quality if you look at all the squads they're very close so as you said it would be interesting what Arsenal do it would be interesting to see if Conte is still there if he gets his way and he, he's allowed to buy who he wants um, or, and if he leaves who they bring in and and how that's going to work um, and then of course who Liverpool bring in Pochettino recently coming out and saying you know I'm going to have to cr- have crunch talks with Daniel Levy about who we buy and what risks we take to, to take this club forward so all of these things are going to be interesting and of course as you mentioned United are probably going to spend another 200 million so all of this stuff is is going to lead us to like a very interesting Premier League next season next season and on next season 
do you currently see the value? We talked about uh, World Cup players having their prices already fixed in. Do, do you see the uh, the value in what, the World Cup or transfers or in next season? Where do you currently see the value? Oh, really good question. <laughs> really good question. Um, I, I part of me now thinks it's it's in next season's players, and I think we've already strangely already seen a shift in the last couple of days towards players who. Um, have been kind of the PB gods, as it were, uh, this season, which I, I think is a really early move. I've, I've kind of at the moment I've stuck to World Cup slash transfer transfer players, and I have them for like the past two months or so, um, and and seen probably my best month on the index really in terms of um, capital appreciation. But um, I think that is where the value is at the moment. I, th- I think. Um, it cannot, but it all can get thrown out with the transfer. It's it's quite strange, isn't it? It's I haven't started doing any research yet on who I'd like to pick up because I kind of want to see how the next couple of weeks go with the transfer market. Uh, the one for me that I kind of was on for quite a bit at the start of the season was Insigne, and obviously he's he's kind of a bit of PB darling for a lot of people. And it's strange the last couple of days. I think he shot twenty p yesterday, which I was shocked at because I was like, well, he's not playing for three months. But I wonder if that's where the value is now. Is is those to pay to pay? Obviously, picked up um, uh, performance plus yesterday. Again, he'll be kind of affected by the Fakir transfer if that one goes through. But what I think I'm quite looking forward to is is, is finding those those performance plus players that that will go under the radar a lot over the World Cup. Um, and I think that's where probably I'll be kind of moving my portfolio slightly over the course of the World Cup. That will be slightly affected by the competition they're, they're running, I think, which I think people will keep their money in World Cup players for a little longer than maybe they were intending, which I think was probably the purpose of it, really. But I, like for me at the moment, I think there's probably a lot of Italian players who are, who are great value that are not going to the World Cup. It's strange football it makes you watch things you don't never used to watch. I never used to really watch Italian football since I was 13. It used to be on Channel 4. But I was watching the uh, Juventus-Napoli uh, game a couple of weeks ago and just seeing some of the players there it's it's kind of massively expanded my knowledge on on players I knew nothing about and I think for me at the moment that's where the value probably lies a lot of Dutch players as well potentially uh, is where the main value is probably in the market at the moment but saying that that it could be well with the World Cup players that we, we kind of don't know what effect they're going to have we may soon see some amazing rises followed by some very sharp falls so it's kind of depending on what sort of level of risk you want to take really and, and on and on risk aren't some of those pb gods and i'm, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers here yes yeah. uh, <laughs> some of those pb gods like insigne like he hasn't actually returned that much pb but also he didn't have the season this season that he did last where a lot of people did simulations and based on last season's stats he would have absolutely destroyed pb this season this season he hasn't done as well and is it is there an argument that buying some of these PB players can be a bit of a risk because they might not repeat the season of last? And obviously you talked about Nabil Fakir leaving uh, Leon. It looks like that could happen this summer. Is there a risk that there are so many variables that affect player performance that it's quite hard to predict now who will be the main men next season? And uh, as we looked at Salah, is he going to repeat what he did this season, next season? It's going to be nearly impossible. But at the same time, as you just said, they, they could be perceived as good value because of their prices, but potentially not 
with their dividend returns because we don't actually know how much they'll return next summer, well, next it, season. Uh, sorry. Yeah, it depends on what what your strategy is because if you're looking to get the PB returns, then you you're obviously it's like any bet you're taking a risk on that that player will do it. In a way, sometimes you have to kind of predict what everyone else will do. And my gut is everyone else will flock back to those PB players, which means if you're looking to trade in and trade out, that's a that's a that's not a bad strategy to kind of take. I think um, people will probably take stock before the start of the season and look back at kind of people's PB scores, whether they've won or not. If they see anyone who's averaging quite a high PB score, then they're they're likely to potentially invest. And this may be where new people come into the market. That's maybe where they may move their money to once um, once the World Cup's kind of going. And, and the other thing is we'll, we'll see, <laughs> I want to call it the Milan-Barosh effect, um, <laughs> because there are players at the, at the it was the Euros, but um, I always remember the summer of Milan-Barosh got five goals at the Euros. Everyone was lauding him. And I was like going, no, he's rubbish. Why? Why is he getting talked up? And I think Liverpool got offered at the time fifteen million for him and turned it down. Um, but they sold Michael Owen for eight million. I mean, to be fair, we won the Champions League the following season. But um, but we'll we'll see those sort of players. I mean, um, um, lad who's at Swansea, uh, Sanchez was the same. Uh, Renato Sanchez, kind of similar effect. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting seeing that effect over the World Cup of players that that maybe those that have who are very good with their research and have kind of watched a lot of these players in their leagues going, that guy's rubbish. And actually in terms of football intra- uh, football index value is likewise not worth that amount of money, but they have a couple of good games at the World Cup and all of a sudden we could see huge, huge increases um, uh, as a result. Because uh, obviously after three games, everyone gets linked with every other club in the, in the world as well. Um commentators just seem to love to find now the, the who they're linked to um, for their commentary. So in every game you get going, oh, this person's doing this, this person's doing that, um, and whether people react to that as well. Yeah, for sure. I think what you said there is really important, and I think this is where the value lies. It is going to be in those players that surprise us, those Milan Barishes, those Renato Sanchez's, <laughs> those players that surprise us during the World Cup or surprise us during next season like Mo Salah did. No one knew he was going to do this. That's where the real value is, right? Because that shock of like, you know, wow, this guy's a phenomenal player. He's he's performing phenomenally. That will force people's hands because everyone knows Neymar's good. Everyone knows Messi and Ronaldo are the best players in the world. Where the value lies at the moment for me is those players that surprise. Who is going to be the most Salah of next season? Who is going to be another one as well? I just thought of who's going to be Euros. Yeah, yeah. Who's who's going to be the Milan Barish of this World Cup? And who who's going to be? Is it is it just going to be dominated by the usual suspects? The the Griezmanns, the Hammers, Rodriguez's, the the Messi's, the Ronaldo's, the Thomas Muller's, or are we going to see a surprise dark horse? And I mentioned Hammers, Rodriguez there. No one knew he was going to do that in the last World Cup. And if the index was around, I wonder how much he would have increased over the course of the World Cup. And you think about that. So I think it'll be really interesting to see, like, who surprises us and how fast and how far they go in terms of price. And I think that would be really interesting. It'd be interesting as well, kind of players that aren't based in the European leagues as well. Um, I think often you'll get, because that's where clubs maybe see a bit of value as well, rather than transferring between the big five leagues, they kind of see a centre-back at, at, um, for Colombia. I'm trying to think of anyone off the top of my head who, who, doesn't, who plays, in, or plays in Brazil or plays abroad, or even plays in China now. Um, 
them coming and see what reaction is that because that that could end up being quite risky because there's no guarantee they will move, but people may try and preempt if West Ham get linked because then at least there's a potential of them competing for PB going forwards because they will be on because they, they, I'm right in thinking they are IP on every player for the World Cup, aren't they? Uh, yeah, from yeah, I think that's what we've been told by Football Index and a few conversations I had with people at Trader Me that does sound like their plan. Which will be there. There, there is potential value there because these are people that obviously not many people own to be in with and it could you hit the right player um and you could kind of turn a really good profit hit the wrong player and you, you might be left with a dud for a couple of seasons yeah for sure i think there's obviously a risk to it but that's why the the Salah one was was amazing because he started the season at about what one pound 16 or something like that um i don't really remember the exact price but i'd love to know if anyone's heart held throughout yeah, so, so would I. So, yeah, if you're listening and you held yeah. most of that at whatever quantity from the exact start of the season, please send a screenshot. That would be amazing to see. Uh, just kind of like, and I always talk about how uh, people who have held for so long, I, I know Football Index Chat and uh, ASP um, have really big portfolios and have held. To, to hold for that long, it's actually a skill because you need to just have nerves of steel, don't you? You have to have absolute balls oh, of steel. I mean, but, um, I... I, I'm I'm still kicking myself now with Salah. I I bought in just before he had his big spike in January at four pounds, and decided going, oh, he's going to drop, he's going to drop, he's going to drop. Oh well, I'll get rid. And he's what he doubled in price since. And it's kind of one of those things at times you just go, just I mean, that's in a way that's the joy of football index is the case if you're trying to guess guess where the market is going with it and. It's one of those trades where I look back and I should have just held. Should have just held because even with the media buzz at the time, I think anything I gained in the short term, I kind of have definitely lost out in the long term. But there's other players where where that technique has worked. So I'm not. I'm not. It's one of those you kind of have to take the wins rather than the losses. Mm, but also you have to consider where that money went. So if the the money you, you left from that position uh, went into to players that appreciated accordingly, then you know you might not have lost out. Some of them, <laughs> yeah, you might not have lost out in comparison to the most salary returns. But I just want to go back to uh, how you talked about the value maybe being in players next season. Is there a chance that when we see these massive, and we've seen this massive rides with the uh, Talisca, for example, I think there's going to be so many of those that people are going to start moving their money out of those next season potential players because these returns are just too good to avoid. And I think we might, we could actually see that at the World Cup as well. And I, I've talked a lot about on this podcast about how I actually think the, the value is in the transfers rather than the World Cup. And I still do think that's true to an extent. But as you mentioned, we are going to see massive rises at the World Cup. And if you don't have excess money in your in your um, wallet, who are people going to sell? You're not going to sell a potential transfer player who could do 50% the next week if they get linked. You're going to sell the players that are you know, not playing for the next two months and literally won't return any money for the next two months. I agree. And that's, um, I was, I think during the mini crash or the correction or whatever you want to call it, some people were kind of saying that, oh, this is people already moving on from the World Cup. And I disagree with that entirely. I think, it's it's going it's it's like saying also taking money out of transfers. It's a case of now ready for PB for next season. I think there is so much opportunity over the next three months from transfers from the World Cup um, that it's the players you're going to get bored of. I think some people are saying they're buying transfer rumours kind of before the end of the season, before Christmas, not even before, at the end of the transfer window, buying the summer's transfers, and it's a case of. 
there you're okay because at least those players are still going to be competing for performance buzz and media buzz. Whereas the players that aren't going to, like Insigne is quite a good example. It's a case that's highly unlikely he'll leave Napoli. It'd be amazing if, if anyone started going down that route. But also he's not playing three months. Therefore, any money you put into him now, surely that is better suited somewhere else where you've got the potential for a higher rise or, or um, buzz returns. Um, and I think I, I'm kind of more on the World Cup side at the moment. I, I'm happy to be proven wrong with where the where the um, the increases will come this summer. But um, and I think that maybe it's because I didn't I didn't see the Euros and and the kind of the buzz return on that. But I think because we've got performance buzz at the World Cup, I think that will sway people. And we're already seeing kind of players from obscure um, uh, sides kind of rising as a result of that. I, I think you're totally right on on the point where three months ago people were buying transfer rumoured players, but they also had the chance to win PB and MB for the rest of the season. So I don't know, as you said, some of the rises are strange in those players that literally won't play or won't return for the next three months. But some of those that you're buying for next season, but also at the World Cup and may get a transfer link. Maybe that's where the value is. Yeah, but I, I, that, and that's, I think, definitely been my strategy. And I think I, I kind of started moving towards that uh, kind of around that correction time. So I got hit a little bit, but it's bounced straight back. So for me, it's it's players like Hazard, like um, who kind of even after yesterday, the, the talk's starting to build up. He's going to be playing for one of the fancied sides at the World Cup. Um, uh, he's one of those transfers that could go to a Madrid or a Barcelona or a or a City. I think it's saw City being linked the other day, um, and that's where I think I that's where I do think the value is. And you know, even if there if it doesn't quite come through, at least he's still a player that's going to compete. I know he's not the best performance, but he's done all right actually. I think I think he got a couple, but um, but he does have value as a result of that. I think. For sure. And I, I think it's going to be really interesting what happens over the summer. And uh, with the World Cup, although the dividends aren't massive, especially in the, the, the group stages. Yeah, I was the, a little bit disappointed. That was one of the things I was a little bit disappointed about with the World Cup announcement, that they, they didn't look to just kind of really, I think that would have really helped bring people in a little bit more if they'd have kind of, even double, I think would have been better for the group games. Mm, but that's my but, own personal but I also But I also think there's, on the flip side, there are going to be those massive rises just because we're going to have so many more users um, in uh, by the World Cup. I think one of their tactics in terms of acquisition of customers is going to be based on massive advertising during the World Cup. And that's one thing people might not factor in that like, you know, two months from now or a month from now, even like that's when the World Cup starting. Jesus, it's come around quick. But, um, <laughs> but, um, but like you have to realize that we could have an extra five ten thousand users by then it's totally easily feasible easily. yeah well we saw we saw francis p the other day i think he's already quite famous on on um twitter who i don't know how much he pumped in but i think everyone's in everyone's portfolio all of a sudden it was like well it's gone up by about percent in the last hour what's what's happened and then you realize it's just one person and i think that it, it, i think it's also people showing faith in football and it's just Current advertising strategy. Um, I I, um, I overheard in the toilet uh, one of the guys who was from the ad agency. Uh, yeah, basically, kind of saying, "Oh my god, you guys don't know what's going to happen over the next few months. There's so much more planned than all this." And I was like, "Great, that's really good to know." And he was he was speaking to someone else. I was like, 
it's amazing what you can overhear in a toilet. Um, but, <laughs> it really uh, is. People do but really it, do. People do talk at urinals a lot, don't they? They do, and it was it just made me laugh because he was kind of oh mate, I can't tell you, but and he wanted to tell everyone what was happening. Um, but there's the the potential the the TV deal they're looking to do with the satellite company, um, and they're going to be huge. And I think the challenge football index has got is kind of is is showing people how it is different to conventional betting, how it's, how it's, um, is a more longer term investment. You're not going to just more enjoyable personally. Speaking. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I still, I think something you mentioned on the podcast, um, a couple of months ago, for me, the huge market they've got to really push into is that fancy, fancy football league, because that is that part of me. Well, that was my justification. Like, Oh, I do quite well in this with my, with my work colleagues. So therefore, I think I know a bit about football. I like kind of stock markets and potentially making one. I have a bet every now and again. But this was kind of marrying the two, and that, that I think there's a lot of untapped customers there that they've they've got to find a way of doing it. I, and what will help is all the advertising they have planned. So they will start start, and whether that's part of their strategy of going, you think you can pick the best fantasy football side. Well, why don't you have a go at it and actually invest in these in these players? Um, and that's where I think where you've done an amazing job at trying to teach people how to do that. Um, and I think that's where Football Linux needs to kind of up its game a little bit. And that's nothing against them. They're still a very small company, so I understand why they've not been able to do it. Um, but in terms of um, showing people how to use the index, I think it's quite key. Yeah, thank you very much for your kind words there. But <laughs> I mean, I, I've spoken to to Tom and Nick at the, the, the Who's Got the Assist podcast. I had uh, Nick on a couple of months ago when he just started, but they were telling me that after you know having um, that I had Nick on the podcast, and they've mentioned Football Index a couple of times on on their podcast, which which is uh, reasonably big. They've got like uh, six thousand odd followers. Um, they've they've been quite like surprised by how many people have come to them and said oh what's what's this thing all about and then they've been like right from now on we're just going to send them over to you and you can tell them what's up and uh, i mean thank god I, I made that um beginner's guide video otherwise i'd be doing a lot more explaining than i have to but uh i think i, I do think you're right there is that kind of untapped thing uh there and i like that's kind of why i posted a while ago about my um kind of football index fantasy football cross uh add-on thing that i think would be quite good and i don't know if that's a solution but there is something there where maybe we, we could have an add-on which is a bit more of an instantaneous win um that would actually you know get those people who love hackers and, and get those people who um who who do love fancy football into this market yeah and i think uh, well even the, the the dividend predictor thing is a great little way of doing that it's a case of which three players and you kind of i was tempted next season with my fantasy team to trade like i trade my fantasy team just to see if see what if there's a correlation between the two where you kind of see okay well actually it's it's if you'd have invested in salary at the start of the season and kept hold of him all season you'd have done brilliant um whether you just buy one in each player and just see what happens it could be quite interesting to see um but um but yeah i just think that's that's where they, they they'll they may need to do a bit of work. And it'd be really interesting seeing after World Cup what effect their market has. And they may then have to look at kind of invest in finding out what's made people stay, what's made people not stay. Uh, we all see the the people on Twitter kind of going, oh, it's a scam, you can't get your money out. It's like, no, everything is there. Everything is legitimate. There is no doubt about that whatsoever, saying as someone who has withdrawn money from the index. Um, it's a case of, 
it's just different to what you're used to seeing with a betting account or with fantasy football or whatever it may be. Um, and that's the bit where I think fantasy football needs to kind of look at. It's great having all these things planned, but what's the plan for afterwards and how will you adapt if they don't quite get the amount of sign-ups that they want or people are leaving the index? And I think that's the key one. We want to keep people on this, this platform mm. without a doubt. You're right. And, and how do you convince people that this is this is legitimate this is here to stay etc uh, it's hard to do that but it's it's building that uh, trust between customer and 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 product and that, that's that's extremely hard to do um but we are seeing with a lot of digital products and and products that disrupt that if if people love them then they learn to trust them very quickly and rather than like a kind of a legacy product or company that that might take six or seven years to to create trust and then could lose it uh you know at the click of a finger with these new products that we're seeing that disrupt certain uh industries they can gain the trust of their customers very quickly and i i think that's what we've seen with some people in football index yeah yeah without a doubt um i I think i was very skeptical when i kind of first joined up um, wasn't quite sure the the, the, the risk free trading. I think was a, was actually a really good. I don't think I'd have done it without that, to be honest. Um, the first time, and it was kind of seeing and then exploring Twitter and seeing kind of what how people were using the index and all that sort of things. And there is also this element that people have got to take responsibility themselves to do this. It's a case of you wouldn't just um, send it to a betting website without kind of just kind of realizing what the processes are. I think when um, the free bets and all that sort of side of things, um, it's, it's kind of in a way it's similar to that. You've always got some terms of conditions and they're there for you to read. And, and I don't think Football Index makes it too difficult to do that at all, really. What the, the tricky part is, is the people understanding the platform. Mm, for sure and I th- I'm sure they'll they'll work on that but Bob I think I've had you on for, for long enough on a Sunday afternoon I don't want to keep you forever Absolute so pleasure. Why, why don't you tell people where they can find you on, on Twitter or email whatever uh, so on Twitter I am uh, at TallBobFI um, that's my kind of football index dedicated account um, I've also got my personal account which um, is at the TallBob um, I um, I've kind of tweeted less on that than I have done <laughs> in years because of uh, Football Index because my Twitter's now just set to my Football Index page constantly. Um, but yeah, feel free to give me a follow, drop me a line. Um, I, I, as I say, I don't feel myself a, an expert in any shape or form. I'm just someone who's using the index and will kind of, I've, I've got players in the red, I've got players in the green. Um, I've sold players at a loss. I've sold them at a profit. Um, but overall, I'm enjoying it and I have made money from the index and I think that's kind of all we hope. Kind of yeah, really do, yeah. Really. He's, he's got good chat as well, so that's the main thing, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, thanks so much for coming on, man. And if you guys did enjoy this, uh, please do subscribe, do leave a review. I do love reading them. Um, it, I really appreciate everyone's kind words on, on those reviews. And if you're looking to kind of own your trading skills, do head over to the YouTube channel, subscribe there, watch some of those videos. They can help you out. I think. And uh, <laughs> yeah, keep your it eyes peeled. <laughs> Thank you. Keep your eyes peeled for the the podcast with Adam Cole and, and Mike Bowen uh, that will be coming out in, in the next couple of weeks. I'm not sure when, it's still TBC, but a lot of interesting things, as you can imagine, discussed. Uh, I started off by asking some of the questions that were asked by Football Index Twitter users, but I think Adam just started answering loads of them and we went off loads of tra- tangents. So sorry if I didn't 
get chance to kind of shout you out say your name and ask the questions because the, the conversation just flowed so well it was so good that um i didn't actually have to do that in the end but yeah thanks everyone for listening and i hope you enjoy your commutes didn't really screw this outro up for once and there was no uh there was no urination in the middle of the podcast thank you <laughs>